This podcast may contain content that is triggering or inappropriate for certain audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Boonies True Crime. You can email me at booniestruecrime at gmail.com, send me a direct message at instagram.com slash booniestruecrime, leave a voice message at https colon slash slash anchor.fm slash booniestruecrime slash message, follow me on Instagram, Give me positive feedback through your podcast provider and donate on Anchor. It is much appreciated. I want to thank everyone who has listened, interacted with me on social media, and taken the time to tell me that they have listened and like the podcast, particularly family and friends, but everyone. It is much appreciated. Without further ado, from the boonies, this is Megan, and tonight I will be covering the miraculous solving of the murder of Linnea Grant. Most of the following is from Forensic Files, Fresh Air, 2007. In the 80s, Linnea was in her early 50s and worked at Les's Grocery in Superior, Wisconsin, as did many other members of her family as they lived next door. She was divorced at this time and had four children. The store had a history of robberies, but no violence as of yet. But on August 9th, 1986, that would change. Linnea's son, Roger, who was 17 at the time, was at the county fair until 2 a.m., When he got home, he saw his mother wasn't there, and because it was after closing time, he went to Les's to see if she was there. Upon arriving, he looked through the glass front door and saw her laying face down on the floor, with blood around her. Roger called 911, saying, I need an ambulance. My mother, my mother, I'm at Les's grocery and there's blood all over. There was blood all over the store and around Linnea's body. Police soon found that she had devastating injuries to her face and head. Nothing was missing from either the cash register or her purse, and there didn't seem to be any signs of sexual assault on her body or clothing. So police had a gruesome murder, but had to figure out the motive. A theory was that somebody came to the store with the intent of robbing it, but got scared off by a passerby or customer. Her family said she had no known enemies. Superior was a small town, so this type of crime was pretty much unheard of there. For this reason, the local police department didn't have a lot of experience dealing with murder cases. Some locals believed the county fair may be the cause, as it brought new people to town, both workers and visitors. There are typically higher rates of crimes when this happens. There were very few clues and no witnesses, so police were just about stumped. However, they did find footprints on some of the tiles and hoped that these would be indicative of the killer. Linnea had not had an easy life with her divorce, mostly raising four children on her own and working a lot to support them. Her son, Robert, remembers his mom getting ready to leave the house all dressed up and him spraying her with water and her, instead of getting mad, tackling him to the ground and spraying him with a garden hose laughing. Linnea appeared to be a great, loving, fun mother by all accounts. The medical examiner hypothesized that Linnea received 15 to 30 blows to her head during her attack, which indicated rage, 
and most likely a person who knew her being the killer. Random murders typically do not involve this level of rage, which often indicates the victim and the murderer had a relationship of some kind. These types of murders are often associated with family members and high levels of emotion. Cleese questioned Roger as to his whereabouts prior to his reported finding of his mother and contacting police. He was the only child still living at home, and his other three siblings all had alibis for the time of the murder. Police also looked at Linnea's ex-husband, Jerome, but he was proven to be 800 miles away at the time of the murder. Police found that the shoe prints at the crime scene were Roger's, presumably from when he found his mother. Roger did have an alibi for the time of Linnea's murder, though. He was at the county fair with his friends, who corroborated this. Roger remembered this and that they had been drinking, using drugs, and that he found his mother's body. But no one in the family believed he had anything to do with the murder because he was not violent. Police searched Linnea's home and found a claw hammer with a wooden handle in a drawer, which they believed to be the murder weapon. Forensic pathologists determined that her wounds were similar in shape to the potential weapon. However, per the state crime lab, there was no blood on the hammer. Police also found Linnea's blood on Roger's pants, but this was not a surprise to them because he had reportedly found her and tried to revive her. Three months passed until 180 miles away in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, 19-year-old Steve Hansen was arrested for beating a man to death, which raised red flags for police. This murder was committed with a hammer just as police believed Linnea's was. For this reason, police believed the two murders had to be connected in some way. In addition, police found that Roger and Steve knew each other as they had the same group of friends and had used drugs together. A new theory developed that perhaps these two had a disagreement over drugs and Linnea was murdered for revenge against Roger. After being arrested for the murder in Eau Claire, Steve confessed. However, he denied involvement in her murder and provided a proven alibi. He was living in Eau Claire at that time. The case went cold, haunting police and her family for 20 long years. But in March 2004, police captain Chad Lalore was tasked at leading a new cold case unit and he began working on Linnea's murder first. This murder took place when he was still in high school. Special Agent John Christensen was also assigned to her case. Together, he and Captain Chad reviewed the original evidence and transported it to the State Crime Laboratory in Madison, Wisconsin. Analyst Ken Olson began working on the case too. He stated that when Linnea was murdered, bloodstain pattern analysis was a new science. Bloodstain pattern analysis was not done on clothing until the 1990s. Ken examined the claw hammer found in her kitchen. With new high-powered microscopes, he found very small amounts of blood in the grooves and edges. DNA testing in 2004 was able to identify this as human blood, Linnea's in fact. Now police definitely had the murder weapon. Next, Roger's jacket from the night of the murder, which he hadn't been wearing when he spoke to police, was examined. Ken found high-velocity impact spatter droplets on the right sleeve, which indicated that he had delivered the, the blows to his mother 
or was standing nearby when someone else did. Additional blood, a contact or smear pattern, was found inside the jacket. Police believed this is where the murder weapon was concealed and removed from the scene. Minute blood stains were found on Roger's shoes as well. The DNA of all of this blood was Linnea's. Police asked Roger about this new evidence to which he stated, that's kind of a strong statement, with a calm demeanor. Police asked him again what happened on the night of his mother's murder, to which he changed his response, indicating that they had had an argument around 10 p.m. before he left for the county fair. Roger stated he asked Linnea for money. They asked if she was hurt at this time and he said, she wasn't dead, she was a little miffed. This appeared to be a huge break for the police as it seemed Roger knew something was wrong with Linnea before he contacted police, reporting he found her. Now they had a possible motive for the crime, anger about her not giving him money for the county fair. Prosecutors believed Roger was drinking and using drugs prior to his admitted attendance at Les's store at 10 p.m. and he and Linnea fought over her not giving him money or letting him use the car, and he lost control, grabbed a hammer from a toolbox, and attacked her. He then locked the front door, went home, washed the hammer, removed his jacket, and met his friends at the county fair. When Roger arrived home at 2 a.m., he called the police to report having found Linnea. Robert says that in his right mind, Roger would never have hurt his mother or anyone else, but drugs altered his mind. Roger abused drugs and was divorced over the years in between the crime and his arrest, still living in Superior, Wisconsin. Some people believe he was running from his heinous crime mentally. Roger pled guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to 15 years in prison as a result. If he is not out now, he will most likely be soon. Although forensic science has been debated over the years, it did lead to the solving of Linnea's gone cold murder. My best guess is that Roger is a psychopath and that this, together with his drug use, enabled him to savagely kill Linnea, his own mother. Having been a substance abuse counselor in the past, I worked with hundreds of clients and none of them were proven to commit crimes like these. While it has been proven that drugs lower inhibitions, you don't often hear of drugs turning people that weren't already homicidal. I do believe he used drugs for years after to hide from what he did because he felt some remorse. Although psychopaths typically do not feel as non-psychopaths do, they have shown emotion with killing their relatives in the past, like when Edmund Kemper murdered his grandfather to spare him finding his grandmother murdered. I don't blame Roger's family for wanting to believe he only killed Linnea due to drugs. I can't imagine their pain and suffering all these years. Regardless, I hope they can find peace and that Roger realizes the pain he has caused and is given counseling in prison so he doesn't continue to cause destruction. <laughs> My positive note for the day is that I'm going to have the next hopefully two and a half days in addition to the weekend off to spend time with my family. I hope that as many people as want to do that that are listening get the chance to 
and that if you celebrate Thanksgiving, you have a great one. Also, I want to slide in a little shout out to The Keepers on Netflix. I know I'm a little late to the party, but I watched episode one today and being a Maryland transplant that lives in Florida, I love hearing the Maryland accents and I'm super excited to keep watching. Please remember you can email me at booniestruecrime at gmail.com, send a direct message at instagram.com slash booniestruecrime, leave a voice message at https colon slash slash anchor.fm slash booniestruecrime slash message, follow me on Instagram at booniestruecrime, give me positive feedback through your podcast provider, and donate on Anchor. It is much appreciated. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, live your best life and be safe. Have a good night.